You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. And today I want to share on the topic, living grateful. Living grateful. This is a topic that is not... Um, foreign to us. I believe I don't have to convince you or, or spend time persuading you to the fact that gratitude is a good thing. I believe that most of you, if not all of you here, hopefully all of you believe this, that gratitude is a good thing. Probably one of the first expressions that you were taught as a child was thank you. And if you have kids, Probably one of the first expressions that you taught your kids was please and thank you. You always say please and thank you and you're welcome. That's right. Please and thank you. Now most likely because of how you grew up, most of your relationship and your understanding of gratitude is connected to this method of gratitude, good manners. Right? Gratitude means you have good manners. Gratitude is your acknowledgement, is you showing your understanding and recognition that somebody else either did something or acted in a way that pleased you. It was favorable to you. Somebody else made an effort, and so you show appreciation. You recognize what they did for you, how they acted. And you say thank you. You show appreciation. When you were little, that's how it was, right? That's how you were taught. Somebody bought you a gift. You say, thank you. I love it. Your mom cooked you a nice meal. You say, thank you, mom. This is delicious. That's what we teach our girls all the time. Your friend did your homework for you. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. And thank you, friend. It's true that gratitude, uh, uh, showing good manners and gratitude in that light is positive. It's great. That's good enough reason for us to maintain it and to keep it. You know, civility, decorum, kindness, those are all things that are very important and make life better. But there's another side of gratitude that we must consider. You know, there's another function of gratitude that can shape our perspective and how we see our lives. In fact, it can shape our lives. You know, I'm not just talking about being grateful for actions and expressions that people uh, can uh, grant us or or make make us or things that they can do for us. That can bring us joy. And and if we abide in that, it's good enough. But there's another side of gratitude that I want to highlight here today. And this is the side where gratitude, to borrow some language from the law of causality, gratitude is not only the effect, it's not only the result of your life, it's not only you taking inventory of your life and looking at the good and the bad and saying, okay, I got to be grateful or I can be grateful for these things, but it's also being the cause, gratitude as the cause of your life, meaning gratitude causes things to happen in your life. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't take inventory of your life. We all should. We all should examine our hearts. We all should examine ourselves. 
It's not a wrong thing to do that. We should examine our actions. That's how we figure out if we're doing well or if we're not doing well. But when it comes to gratitude, there's another side of gratitude that take, can take you further. There's another way to live where you don't have to shuffle through the facts of life. You don't have to shuffle through whatever has happened, do you? But you can look at your life as a whole. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And you can be grateful for it. You can be grateful for everything in your life. You don't have to, have to live life in, in a way that you have to, like trying to erase part of your past. Or, or trying to constantly forget your shame. Or even repress some of the things that you've been through. But you can look at the whole and say, thank you, Lord. See, gratitude can, no, can not only be a reflection of your life. But your life can be a reflection of your gratitude. And that's my challenge here today. To look at gratitude not only as an effect, not only as something, uh, as a response, or as something that we do to, when we respond to things that happen to us, but to live grateful with a mindset that is grateful, that shapes our perspective, shapes our vision, a kind of gratitude that can shape our perspective and vision and how we see our lives and how we make our choices. So there's a couple of things that need to happen in our thinking and that need to guide our thinking if we're going to live grateful each day in that way. And I want to share with you a few things. But before we get to the specifics of it, I want to uh, highlight a parable that Jesus shared, a story that Jesus shared in Luke 15, 11. It's a very uh, known story. And we're going to go uh, to the scripture in a little bit. But uh, the story goes like this. There was a man that had two sons, and he had a younger son and an older son, and the younger son told his father, give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And so that alone was very offensive. There are two things right there that were very against culture. First, asking for your inheritance before your dad died, it almost meant like you're saying to your dad, I wish you were dead. And the second thing is the fact that he was the younger son. And younger children didn't have a big share of the inheritance. There was a principle of the first birth, where most of the property goes to the firstborn. But here you see the father dividing, Scripture says, dividing the property between them. So the father did that. The kid, not many days later, Scripture says, he gathered all his belongings, which this is, uh, this is Bible talk for liquidated his assets. He sold everything, turned it into cash, and took off. Turned his back on his family, turned his back on his dad, and took off on a journey into a far country. There, he squandered all the property. He basically spent all the money in high living and doing things, uh, Scripture says, reckless living and Spent all the money, and then a famine came. And now he's in need. He doesn't have any more money, and he has to go to work. He goes to work for a Gentile, a non-Jewish person. That in itself is already humili humiliating, especially being someone from noble descent. Second thing, he, take, he gets a job feeding pigs, which for Jewish people, feed, pigs are very, very uh, uh, dirty. They are unclean animals. They are not 
supposed to be near or touched him. And now he is feeding them. Not only that, he's so hungry. He's so deprived of food that he begins to long for the food that they were serving the pigs. The scripture says that nobody would give him any. And so he came to himself. And he realized, my, so my father has servants. They used to be my servants. And they've always had bread to eat. They always had plenty of food. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my dad. And I'm going to ask him to receive me back. Not as a son, but as a servant. Because even as his servant, I'll be better treated and have more than I have right now. If you know the story, you know that while he was a long way off on the journey home, his father saw him. He spotted him far out. And he ran to his son. And he embraced his son. And he kissed his son. And here's what the son said to the father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, if you know the story, you know that the father didn't listen to him. He restored him. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on him. And he killed the fattened calf and threw a party for his kid. But I've read this story many times. Like several times. Many times growing up. This is one of those stories that you learn growing up. If you grew up in church, you probably know the parable of the prodigal son. You know, most likely is, you know, parents going like, don't leave the church. <laughs> but this, is, this story is so powerful. Because it applies to every single one of us here. But as I was reading this story and put my, my gratitude filters on. You still have your gratitude filters? From the first week. And I was reading this story with gratitude in mind. I realized this. The son came to his dad and said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And I asked myself, when was he ever worthy? Think about that. At what point in the story was that son ever worthy to be called son or ever worthy? He thought his possessions gave him position. He thought that what he had was the thing that had gave him worth. So when he lost his possessions, he figured, I'm no longer worthy. I don't have what I used to have. Take me in as a servant. The story doesn't end there. The older brother... The other brother was working in the fields. He didn't see this interaction happen. He didn't see the son being restored. When he got back, he heard the party. He heard the noise and he asked the servants, what's going on? And the servant said, oh, you haven't heard? Your, your brother returned and your, and your dad killed the fattened calf for him. Gave him the biggest party that was possible. And the older son got offended. It was hurtful to him. And he wouldn't go in the house. The father had to come out of the house and speak with him. And this is what the older brother said. But he answered the father, look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that, might celebrate, that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came... Who, was the, who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. It's unfair. 
After all that I've done, I've been doing the right thing. It's unfair. This passage teaches us a great, amazing lesson that I believe every single one of us here can identify with. Actually, I think every person can identify with this passage. See, there's a young son who thought that he would find worth in the property. So he asked his dad, give me what, I, what, I, what it's mine, and, and I'm, I'm going to go. And he got it, demanded what, whatever uh, was coming to him, the possessions, and had the awakening that after all, that wasn't it. And then you have the, the older son who stayed back, never left, and was waiting for the father's permission to use the possession. They were both focused on the wrong thing. They both had the wrong thing in mind. You know, he wasn't working for his dad because he was satisfied. He wasn't working for his dad because he was grateful. He wasn't working for his dad because he realized what an amazing dad he was. He, wor he was working for his dad diligently, waiting. You know, what we have here is two kinds of people who both missed the point. One rebelled. The other one conformed. And this is where gratitude comes in. See, some of us here are rebels. We look at the rules and we don't want to conform. We are going to push the limits. We're going to try a new thing. We're not going to follow in, the, in our family's footsteps. We're going to turn things around. We're going to look at things from different places and different uh, angles. We're going to face life differently. We are like the younger son. And the others here are probably just churning on the inside because you were a rule follower. You were a conformist. You stay and stand until there's nothing else to give. Whether you were a rule breaker, whether you are a, uh, an advocate for change, a rebel, or you are an avid conformist, we can all miss the point. Because it's not about how we approach life. It's about where our eyes are fit. It's about the goal. See, this is what they missed. They missed that the greatest thing about their life was not the possessions, was not the inheritance, but it was the presence of the Father. It was whose they were. And I think some of you today here, you need to realize that. There's a shift that needs to happen on your thinking and in your mind. That what you're hustling for, what you're going after, whether you're standing your ground and you're a rule follower, or whether you are somebody who pushes the limits a little bit, you got to realize on, on the inside that the most valuable thing about your life is that you are a child of God. Every single one of us here, we are children of God. And that's the first thing that needs to guide your thinking each day if we are to live grateful. That we are children of God. You are a child of God. Maybe you've been in church for a while and you've heard this often. So don't, don't miss the point here. Or maybe you're not a church person at all. Maybe you're not used to this environment. Maybe somebody invited you here and, and now this sounds like religious platitude. I'm a child of God sounds a bit, you know, pushy. Don't miss the point. Because you may have asked yourself, 
I do everything right. I pay my taxes. I show, to work on, show up to work on time. And I'm obedient. I do everything and I play by the book. I play by the rules. And I watch people every day. People that have messed up. People that are irresponsible. Troublemakers. Receive blessings. How is that possible? That's the older son. Or maybe... You've had the opportunity in the past to exercise and to do some things. You've had the opportunity to, to try it out and you failed. And now you feel like God let you down. You know, whatever side of the spectrum you are, you've got to know that your worth does not come from what you have or what you had. Your worth, worth comes from the fact that he's your father. That God He's your father. This is what the father said to the older son. Luke 15, verse 31. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Both didn't realize this powerful powerful principle that the blessing is in the presence of the father not in what the father can offer but the presence of the father you know you got to know in your heart that you are a child of God so that you can live grateful so that you know that you have nothing to prove you have nothing to prove you you you, you can live with confidence because you are a son you are a daughter of a love kind embracing forgiving restoring God you know, the second thing that we need to keep in mind, because sometimes this is difficult, you know, is, is that we are not the only children of God, right? You have to first realize that you are a child of God so that you can learn to love somebody else. But once, you, once you've realized that and you've embraced that, you have to remind yourselves that you are not the only child of God. There's a, there's a, the only difference really between uh, you and somebody else is how close you are to your father. You know, the older brother looked at the, at the younger brother and didn't even call him brother. This son of yours, that one over there, he had, uh, um, he held contempt against his brother because of the way his brother left. But really the only difference was the degree of separation between him and the father. And this, you know, if you, if you want to be grateful for people, the people around you, who are hard to be grateful for. I'm not going to name any names. But you might be thinking of people, you know, that sometimes it's, it's hard, it's difficult for you to be grateful for them. If you want to love, maybe you have a messy family, but you want to love them. Maybe you have a friend that won't listen to good uh, advice, but you want to be grateful for them. If you want to find a way to be grateful for a child who's off course and won't listen to wise counsel. If you want to find a way to be grateful for a friend, like I said, who might be caught up in bad habits. This is the first thing you got to keep in mind every single day. You know what? I'm a child of God. He's a child of God as well. She's a child of God as well. Being a child of God is what defines us. It's not 
what you do. It's who you are. See, this is what the scripture says in Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. For you formed, it my, if you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what you got to know in your heart. God knows the difference between your doing and your being. One thing is who you are. Another thing is what you do. Now, he does have works that are prepared for you, that are good works. But that doesn't define who you are. Who you are is, who, is what God made you to be. And sometimes we need to keep that in our hearts. You know, people may make mistakes. They may disappoint us. They may do things that we don't understand. But if you hold it in your heart that they are also children of God, you know, that they also were created by the same God that formed you, then there is hope. Then you can look at them and you can see them differently. You can realize this too, that people are more like you than you think. People are more like us than you think. The difference is how close we are to the Father. And that's why we do what we do as a church. Because our hearts is that when we look at somebody who's not living their best, when we see someone who's making poor choices, our heart shouldn't go out and judge them and say, try to straighten them out and call them out and, and be harsh against them. Our heart should, should be, you know what? They're not close to God, but not yet. They will one be. They will one day be close to God. That's why we do what we do. That's why our Sundays are not designed for starchy church folks. I come in and praise God. You know, hallelujah. Yeah. You can barely fold your arms because of the starch. We're honest at the, in this church. No? That's, that's our heart, is, is, to, is to have Sunday mornings where we can talk about our troubles. We can be brutal, brutal, brutally honest with the fact that we are all sons and daughters of God. Some of us know it. Some of us don't realize it. Some of us are trying to figure it out. Some of us are nearer to God. Some of us are farther. But it's all because of His grace. It's all because of His goodness to us. That we get to experience and make wise choices and do the things right. But God, do we mess up, don't we? We are all children of God. That's why our Sundays are the way they are. You know, we live to help people come close to God. That's why we do our connect groups and everyone is welcome in our connect groups. Because when children of God who are far from God get together with children of God who are close to God, they begin to realize something. There's a strange familiarity here. There's a strange familiarity in how this person lives. And even though I've never lived that way, even though I've never had a relationship with God like that, I want it. It's the way I'm meant to live. It's a strange familiarity that I've never had it, but I miss it. I've never lived that close to God, but I miss it. That's why we encourage you to get into a connect group, because that's where that happens. That's why we hold starting point classes. Because there are children of God who need to activate their gifts. 
And there might be some of you here trying to figure out what should I do with my life? How can I bless others? Get into starting point and we'll help you. We'll help you figure that out. In fact, today it's step three of starting point. It's all about assessing your spiritual gifts. That's why we do that. So that people who are close to God can activate their gifts and impact those who are far from God but need to come close to God. That's why we exist as a church. So that the son who was out, far out, feeding pigs, wishing to eat the food of animals, can come close to God and have their hearts restored and have their lives restored and be welcomed, not with judgment, but with a party, Amen. with joy, Amen. with happiness. Now you're about to walk into some Thanksgiving dinners everywhere. And for you, when November comes around, you're, you know, some of you, you already feel the tension. And you live for Friendsgivings. Because the Thanksgivings with the family sometimes can be tense. And you're already thinking on the things that you are going to say. You're already thinking on the things that you're not going to say. Let me encourage you to go in with this in mind. That you have nothing to prove. You are a child of God, already approved, already sealed, already received, already in His presence. And that you are in process. You can walk in there confident. You don't have to play the insecurity game. You know, let me encourage you to do that. You, know, you, you walk into a situation where people try to minimize you, judge what you're doing, make some snark comment and say, You know what? You're right. I'm not perfect. I've had mistakes. I haven't hit it, it right on the, on the bullseye every time. But I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for the good and I'm grateful for the bad. And you know what? I'm grateful for you too. And I love you. I love you. And give him a kiss. Somebody tries to bait you with the one up. I'm better than you. What are you doing with your life now? You can just pray under your breath. Thank you, God, that I'm already accepted. Thank you, God, that I don't have to play uh, this insecurity game and live life insecure. I'm approved in your presence. You have received me. And I am a son. I am a daughter of God. You don't have to play that insecurity game. You can be confident and let your light shine. And know this in your heart. You can identify that no matter how far they are from God, they are a child of God. And they can come close to God as we pray and as we witness. See, the Apostle Paul had a distinctive way of writing the opening of his letters to churches. He did it to most of them. If you read Corinthians, if you read Colossians, Thessalonians, Ephesians, Philippians, all of those books, I think with exception of Galatians, because that was more of a rebuke letter. But all of them, he opened with some form of thank you, some form of gratitude for their lives. But the way that he wrote, if you read it, he wouldn't think for who they were exactly as they were at that time. He would praise them for their progress, but then he began to call things out of them. 
He would begin to write things. I think that God is revealing himself to you. That he's giving you knowledge. Watch what he writes on Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 and 19. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. May give you the spirit of wisdom. And of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That are what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. I do not cease to give thanks. Thank you God that you are giving them a spirit. That they are gaining knowledge of who you are. Thank you, God, that you are showing yourself to them. Thank you, God, that you are revealing yourself to them. Those are powerful prayers. And I encourage you to begin to pray for the sons and daughters around you who are far from God. And begin to see them in that light. In fact, I encourage you to not hold on and harp on their bad habits. And harp on the the bad things that they are doing. But look at them as they could be. Recognize that they too are children of God and look at them, see them as they could be and pray for them as if they already were. Begin calling it, calling it in God's presence. Thank you, God, that this person is coming out from this situation better off. Thank you, God, that they are your children as well and they will come to the knowledge of who you are. You can extend the same grace. And you know why I know you can extend that grace? Because that grace has been extended to you. If you were honest, my gosh, look at your life a few years ago. Look at your life some, some time ago. And you can, you can honestly say that if it wasn't for the grace of God, you, know, you wouldn't be here today. So you can extend that grace as well. You can look at them and say, I see what you're doing, but that's not who you are. What you're doing is not who you are. You are a child of God. So for you to live grateful each day, to to allow gratitude to shape your life each day so that you are not living defeated, you're not living uh, um, as life happens and let situations uh, shape your emotions, but you are living, as Alina said earlier, you know, from faith. You got to do first. Recognize that you are a child of God. Second, for those people around you that might rub you the wrong way, you got to recognize that they too are a child of God and speak life into them and not judge them as they are, but as they should be. And the third thing that can guide your thinking each day is this. you got to remind yourself that your pain can make you better. That whatever you are going through can make you better. If it wasn't for the hardship that the younger son faced... He wouldn't have repented. His mind wouldn't have changed. His, his uh, uh, mentality wouldn't have been reshaped. He wouldn't have had the chance to turn his life around and say, you know what? I'm going back to the father. If it wasn't for uh, the older brother's grief and, and disdain of his brother, he wouldn't have the realization with his father That being with the Father means that everything the Father has is His. Sometimes we will go through difficult times. Sometimes we will go through difficulties. But we got to realize 
That whatever pain you go through is contributing to the person that God is shaping you to become. I was listening to a podcast this week. And uh, this lady on the podcast was sharing uh, a story about the olive tree. She had been in the Holy Land in Israel. And she was sharing the story that she heard about the olive tree. And there are three, thru- three, uh, three truths. <laughs> three truths. Say that three times. Three truths. Three. <laughs> there are three truths about the olive tree that can cause you to grow through pain. That can develop endurance in you. The first thing is this. It takes both the harsh winds from the east and the refreshing winds from the west for the olive tree to produce fruit. The the olive tree cannot produce fruit unless it has both. And the same is true in our lives. Both seasons. Seasons of pain and seasons of rejoicing. Seasons of hardship and seasons of of, uh, providence. It takes both to shape us into who we are. And if you were to think back on seasons in your life where when you were going through that difficulty, you wished it wasn't happening. You wished that that situation didn't happen to you. But now you know that it shaped you. It has contributed to who you are right now. Number two, second lesson from the olive tree is this. The fruit is not useful until it's gotten rid of its hardness and bitterness. So when the olive tree does bear fruit because of the harsh winds of the east and the, and the refreshing winds of the west, the fruit is still not good. It has to be soaked and salted, soaked and salted because the fruit is hard. And sometimes we will face hardships in life because hardships can soften our hearts. Think about the older brother. He was proud. He turned his back on his family. All he wanted was the money. And he squandered it. But it wasn't until the hardship that his heart got softened. And he was able to look back. The third lesson from the olive tree is this. The most valuable thing about the olive is not the fruit itself. So even after the fruit uh, uh, is collected and and the fruit is softened, the most valuable thing about it It's the oil that comes out of that fruit once it's hard-pressed. And some of you, you've been going through some hard-pressing seasons. Maybe you've gone through some hard-pressing seasons in the past. Or maybe you're going through it right now. Whenever you experience pain, I want you to remember the olive tree. I want you to reframe your mind and think about the olive tree and realize this. There's purpose coming out of that. Something powerful is being birthed. There's oil That's coming out of that situation. So even through the pain. You can say thank you God for what you're producing in my life. Thank you God for you are getting taking me through. Because you are a good father. I know that something positive is coming and happening on the other side. Whatever side of the spectrum you find yourself. Whether you're an innovator or you're a conformist. Whether you're ready to break the rules and test the limits of life and spend the money and live life and quit the job because YOLO. (laughs) Or you have a sense of duty. You 
will not give up. You will stay in that position, in that job until everything breaks down because your sense of duty is like a locomotive and you will break through every single negative emotion and you will stay steady even though your soul is dying. You will show up and you will do everything because that's who you are. You show up and you do what it needs to be done through negativity and through misery. Whatever side of the spectrum you're in. When you go through pain, you got to remind you, remind yourself of these three things. First, you're not alone. You're a child of God. So get close to the Father. Secondly, if anybody is causing you pain, realize this. They, they too are a child of God. They might be far from Him. They might be making poor choices, but they are a child of God as well. And thirdly, this pain didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And when it passes, it will produce great, great um, growth and purpose in your life. And that's how you can live your life grateful each day, saying, God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what I'm going through. Thank you, God, for my life. You don't have to shut off the negative things and you don't have to look at your past in shame and try to hide. You can be open because your heavenly father receives you. And for some of you, this might be the hardest thing for you because you know where you've been and you know God knows where you have been. And it's hard for you to realize that you are loved exactly as you are. It's hard for you to look at the pain and the struggle and say, thank you, God. Because it doesn't feel like, like something to be grateful for. But I'm here to remind you. That first, you are not alone. Secondly, you are not finished. You are in progress. God is taking you through a journey. And if you are far from him, the best thing you can do is to realize that you are still a child. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You're not an orphan. You are a child of God. So come home. And let him be your father. Do you receive it this morning?